0: Good morning everybody, we are here again with Iron Radio, this is Phil Stevens, I'm a strength coach, I am a power lifter and Highland Games athlete, I run strength guild, and I'm four training weeks up from my meet now,
1: so. Nice. As Dr. Mike Nelson, Associate Professor at the Kerrigan Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, which opens again this coming Monday, flexdiet.com. And I'm briefly in Montana for about two and a half days.
0: There you go. What are you doing up there?
1: Uh We're here for uh, Jody's mom's memorial service. Oh. Okay. And, yeah, so we'll be out here for – I'll be here for just briefly. Jody will be here a little bit longer. So I've got to get back, finish a few projects, and then start driving to Texas. So. Ooh. I heard it's yeah. already cold up there. Sean sent me pictures of snow. So is it snowing? Yeah, it snowed snowed or... other day. Like, we yeah. flew in, and, like, the mountains – Everything was, like, covered in snow. I was like, whoa. (laughs) So.
2: This is Coach Jarrell, Coach J, running Strength Guild, weightlifting out of, basically, Kansas City, or just outside of Kansas City. Uh, Currently, I'm in the illustrious St. Joseph, Missouri for weightlifting meets.
0: All the good right. meats are in St. Joe. They used to have that really good, really good lighting there, too, but they updated their facility. The old lighting was amazing. It made everybody look yeah. like a Loompa. You were orange.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, St. Joe. St. Joe filter.
0: Yep. It was awesome. You knew right where people were at. So They got a nice place there now, though. They built up. It, yep. it's, yeah, it's a nice facility. That community Community, community center. center. Yeah. So... Nice. What's going on up there? Me?
2: Yeah, I have a few girls lifting today. Gotcha. Couple gotcha. Veterans and then the first-timer today. There you go.
1: That'll be fun. Oh, nice.
0: Oh, what do we want to touch on first? I know we got the – I'm say good luck to everybody that's doing the Strongman Corp Nationals. I've got one female lifter in that, and I know she did. She was happy. Yesterday was her worst two events and did – Pretty well hit eight on the frame deadlift with 420 pounds.
1: Nice. So
0: yeah, we're coming into the day to see how the rest of it goes, but what like are the
1: other events? Do you know little
0: weight competitor? I'd have to pull it up. I don't remember. It wasn't yeah. that they're all pretty heavy. The difference between strongman corp and uh, USS strongman is considerable, but uh, I had it up.
1: Oh, I should. That's our
0: I've been uh, coaching here towards this for months. I should have it memorized, but I don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't remember. It's like three events today, two it events yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Well, it's all pretty heavy. Being a national event, or yeah, so yeah, uh, nice. Then I don't know, man. We want to talk about. I, I saw Lane going off, and we talked about this before the show a little bit. Uh. Basically, it comes back to the same old thing. It's uh, you know, There's people out there promoting, like, I don't know, it can be anything, you know. Eat liver, and that's what makes you jacked. And uh, they're obviously not explaining that it's not just the liver. It's <laughs> the anabolic steroids they're taking as well in high amounts. And uh, I don't know, like we started talking about before the show, I don't mind that. I don't mind. It, take whatever the fuck you want um, when you want to. Where it becomes problematic is when people are blatantly like, all you need to do to look like me is eat four ounces of liver a day. And, yeah. Uh, or take metrics 24X and
1: you'll be Ronnie <laughs>
0: Coleman. It's like, no, nah, come on, man. Um And, you know, the argument can go both ways. It's like, well, if people are gullible enough to think that, then, hey, they deserve to lose their money. But <laughs> there's just a... I don't know. The longer I'm in this, it it makes me realize that 99.9 percent of the population is just uh blatantly ignorant to anabolic steroids and their use and what yeah. they do. And they should be. That's not saying a bad thing. It's just they're, you know, it's not like it's a aspirin that every household has. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, that that does bother me,
1: and that always has when people do that. So yeah that's I mean, I awesome. that annoys me because it's <clears throat> i get it like from people who've been in the industry for a long time but we often forget that we we have inside knowledge as to what's actually going mm-hmm. on you know the average person you know i remember the first time i was at a meet i deadlifted 405 i called my parents and they're like wow that's crazy you put 400 pounds over your head yeah i like, oh, my yeah. head what are you talking about like you know to them like a deadlift was you know some weight you put over your head (laughs) yeah i think we tend to forget like how this general population is just not in the know on a lot of that stuff and so we look at it and we're like well that's crazy look at this you know person we're like i don't know how that would ever fly but then you you forget that there's other people out there who are always kind of looking for the single factor, like that's how their brains are are wired. I think that's how mm-hmm. humans are kind of wired, and it's I think it's easier to to fall into that trap. I mean, yeah. similar to you. I mean, on a personal note, like you do whatever you want to do. It doesn't bother me. You have to make your own personal decisions. You may decide something that I don't, and at the end of the day, it's it's just that. It's a personal decision. Like mm-hmm. I don't use any peptides or any hormone replacement, but I've gone to Costa Rica and done drugs there. So yeah. I not want to say that no one should ever do X or Y. But when you're claiming it's the liver you ate and you're gassed out of your mind, then come on. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well I mean it was a big thing and uh a big annoyance of mine in CrossFit, right? So when you have the you know high level CrossFit performers in there You know, they have these physiques that they can essentially maintain most of the year. And then people kind of started associating like, okay, CrossFit is what's, it's like, no, 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 not CrossFit. Like
0: there's,
2: there's an additional speed to this for them. That's not a health step, right? Like this is, yeah, them, it's a performance step. And there's, I mean, there's good reasons to use certain things that are off limits, right? Like just for health in general. I mean, we've discussed a few of those things before, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, as long as you just don't sell it as this is the way, like this is what's going to get you healthy and feeling good. And like looking like this in the mirror, that's one thing. But if you're like taking the drugs and then you're like, oh yeah, just eat liver bros. That's what we do. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, That's when you kind of cross the line into, uh, I mean, honestly, like, just ethically dangerous territory. Like, you're just kind of, you know, obviously selling something, but not, not pushing forward any kind of real health initiative. You're just kind of being an asshole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I'd lean, like, with the liver dude or whatever the hell he is, I didn't look into him much. Uh, the the person Lane was bitching about was some guy called himself the liver king or something like that. And basically, he just eats a bunch of organ meats. That doesn't annoy me as much as, like, cause he's just saying, like, here's a, here's some meat product, go buy it. Wherever the hell you want to. Um that doesn't annoy me as much as like, the metrics, Rocket 47 made me jacked. Come on, oh, yeah. you know, where they're pushing. That's what did it. That's what took Ronnie Coleman to four Olympias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, really made those glutes pop with that, uh,
1: metrics. So. Uh, Yeah, that's That's always
0: hard. That's tied to an exact product.
1: So, yeah. And it's always even hard when you're looking at sports in general and you're looking at elite athletics. Like, let's say the person is clean and hasn't done any drugs and they pass every single drug test. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean, and odds are, they're still an outlier and a freak to begin with. Oh, that doesn't mean that it's you (laughs) or you're going to respond the same way either. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And that's what, like, God, I don't remember who it was. Will Brink or something like that posted something last week on social media. It's like, do you think this girl's on drugs? I mean, what would happen if all the drugs were gone? Um, and basically, I mean, in my opinion, if overnight performance-enhancing drugs just disappeared, the same people that are at the top now would still be the top. Yeah. Um, because it ta- do drugs help? Yes. But they don't give you that drive to show up every day. And to put in the work and think a lot of that's just internally wired into people. Cause I've seen genetic freaks that yeah, uh, don't work. They just don't work. Yeah. And yeah. it's sad. And, you know, the minute things Here. get a little tough, <laughs> they quit. Uh, and it's like, you could be so good with just a yeah. little work. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I really think, you know, the NFL stars would still be the NFL stars, but, uh, yeah.
2: A lot slower and uh, a lot more injuries, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And who (laughs) wants to see that? But so I always
2: always kind of pose the question: uh, Would the Rock still be the Rock, like to to all of us? He's you know famous movie star. Would the Rock still be the Rock without drugs?
1: Yeah, tough one. I think that depends. Like you said, what is the background, right? If you could say everyone's completely clean, no one's done anything, then. I would say the Rock's still the rock, because yeah, he's a, I would a genetic too. freak and yeah. has a work ethic and everything else. But yeah. I agree with your question that if he didn't do that and he's, you know, sort of quote competing against everybody else,
0: eh,
1: that's I don't know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably not. I mean, yeah. you got to
1: put him on fair footing. Uh, yeah.
0: And yeah, so that's the, that's a tough one. And, but I mean, it's like I said, we can't deny that. Performance enhancing drugs in all sports and in frickin' acting and every hell of in real life is pretty rampant. A lot yeah. more a lot more than the average person thinks. Um, yeah. my only problem with it is when they're using it. They're lying about it just to hawk another product.
1: Yeah.
0: You
2: know, yeah. You know. I would say this is also probably the most like currently the most honest time. In terms of like, there's enough kind of high-profile people who are using who openly say like, "Yes, yes I'm using." This is like yeah. the most ever. Whereas, yeah. I mean, up to I would even say what 2005s to 2010s, that there was like no voices that were like that. No, yeah. And the the whole thing was to like use but tell everyone you weren't.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then it
2: didn't get until you know, you started getting to forums and stuff like that early early two thousands to now where people are like kind of openly, yes, I'm using or whatever. So there is, there is a,
0: you
2: know, at least a contingency of like honesty with certain people, not everyone, but certain
0: people. No. Well, that's like the first crowd I ever saw come out and do that. It was like the whole West, the whole, the whole West side gym was just yeah. blatant about their use. And everybody was like, Whoa, yeah. you're yeah. talking about, you <laughs> know, and, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> And yeah, that kind of opened it up, and a lot of people have, you know, shot off that. Uh, and you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's definitely a lot more people are open about it, which is good. I mean, uh, yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. it's it's. But just I get a that part too, because if you're in a tested sport, let's say you want to be honest, but you are using something, that's like career suicide if you're like the top crossfit yeah. person or whatever to come out and be like, yeah, I used the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> For
0: you know, I mean, hell, even in sports that uh, look at Tour de France, but how many years later did they come back and retest yeah. uh on that? I mean,
1: it's yeah. well, they it's had to crazy. go down to tenth place, I yeah. think, or eleventh place, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, and
0: in those sports, I don't know. It's tough for me. That's like for me in powerlifting. I don't understand why people get popped in tested meets. It just makes no sense because there is an untested. Yeah, exactly. There is an avenue for that sport for you to take drugs, and nobody cares. So, and that's, like, as a coach, that's where I'm at. It's like, if you're on shit, you're not doing tested meets. (laughs) It's just not, we're not going there. Uh, Because you're just an asshole at that point. You're just looking to cheat to win, literally. Yeah. I mean, and because you have an avenue to go where you compete against Other people are doing whatever the fuck they want. So, um, but, but in, you know, NFL, NBA, all that stuff, I can understand why they do it. I mean, I would, let's say I'm a fricking pro NFL player and I can make another $50 million if I take this and last another two years, (sighs) probably worth the, probably worth it, you know, (laughs) gotta give it a shot, uh, you know, I'm gonna set up my family for another generation
1: here. So my great grandkids yeah. will be fine too. So uh I think that general population also forgets that like let's take the NFL for example. Most of those people, or at least the people I've ever interacted with, they wanna play. Like they'll do whatever it takes oh, to yeah. play. Yeah. That's their career, that's what they love, that's what they spent their life doing. So if something will help them Recover from an injury and they can play yep. two weeks earlier. You're crazy to think they're probably not going to consider it. <laughs>
0: exactly. Or etch another couple years out of their career. You know, exactly. That's their yeah. agent,
1: I mean it's yeah, um, yeah.
0: So yeah, it's a, it's a sticky situation, and there's no right there's no right answer to it all. I mean,
1: but no, especially when most of the compounds are you know scheduled federally illegal drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that just throws an entire monkey wrench into uh, all of it, like just around everything, because mm-hmm. now you've got not only ethical issues, you've got, you know, legal issues, you've got sourcing issues, you've got whoever would be involved and they're, they're in the mix. And yeah,
0: that's oh, like when I think it was one that said, you know, was, remember before you ever take anything, you are now an illegal drug user. You know? Yeah, you are. <laughs> you're you know, federally. You're no different than the crackhead. You know, yeah. so just remember that. Uh And that's that's what always amazed me. I think that was the big eye opener when, like, all the West Side guys came out and just were blatantly honest about it. it was like, why aren't the police knocking on the door? Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? they're <laughs> over here with a bullhorn telling <laughs> you guys all that we're taking. And it's, you know, the longer I've been in the field now, it's, you know, and talking to law enforcement and things, it's they're rarely looking for that. Like, oh, yeah. all the guys I've talked to, they said, we'll we'll find some of that when we bust another drug house or something else. Yeah. Um, it just happen upon that. I, I feel mean, like it's, it's the,
2: sti- like this, is it the stigma of steroids is not as, like, negative as any of the stigma of any other drugs. Not necessarily whether it's right or wrong, but, yeah. like, the stigma of steroids, people are like, oh, that's shameful. But it's not – no one thinks of it as, like, this is, like, absolute dangerous territory. It's not yeah, going leave you on the street or anything like that.
0: I agree. I think really, I mean, the odd thing with steroids is like it's the drug itself is just viewed as cheating and that's why it's bad. Yeah. That's that's really it. It's like you're a cheater for it. You know, it made you better. <laughs> that's, where, that's where like walking, watching bigger, stronger, faster, things like that was like like yeah, people are literally like getting down on something that makes people better. You know, it doesn't like they're not losing their teeth and breaking into grandma's house to steal her trinkets to get <laughs> more of it. Uh, <laughs> but but then you have the old documentary. What the hell was the documentary with? Uh, what the hell was his name? Off Goodwill Hunting. Oh Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah he, that, that oh, steroid man. movie. Yes, that was that?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh, I never watched that.
0: Oh, you gotta watch it.
1: Yeah, oh. it like,
0: you like you an it. special. <laughs> yeah. and it was amazing. He punches holes in the walls and shit. And he's like, he turns into <laughs> the Hulk after he takes some stuff, and like starts crushing things. and
1: uh, uh. Yeah, pretty good. But,
0: uh, yeah, you know, such is life.
1: Yeah, I do think it's a good move that certain areas are decriminalizing drugs, uh, like Oregon. Um, because then, you know, steroids would fall into that area too. You know, it's yeah. like we're not saying yep that we're that they're legal, but we're just saying, eh, you know, our police have other better things to do. Yeah, than we to, have better things to do. You know, try to yeah. bust you for you know, you know, a couple of vials of test or a couple of things of mushrooms yeah. or whatever. It's like yeah, yeah we don't care. We got bigger problems to deal with. <laughs> well, that's even
0: Canada. Canada for the longest time had uh, personal use has been fine. Yeah, you know, what you can't do is like sell it. And, you know, as long as you don't have
1: bathtubs full of stuff and you're hawking it out to people,
0: you're you're fine. Yeah. And
1: uh, And especially the the further you go to, I've noticed outside of cities in Canada, a couple of places I'll remain nameless, I've presented at. And I remember walking into just a standard commercial gym there, looking around going, what the hell? Like, everyone here is on something, it looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But in that area, there was yeah. not much else to do. Busy gyms yep. and busy bars. So, there you go. <laughs> playing hockey. Yeah, yeah, hockey was big there. <laughs>
0: well. right. what did we have for the? Uh, you had a question, Darrell.
2: I did doctor. for uh, Doctor I, uh, I really just wanted to hear your thoughts on. I would just say kind of globally on meal frequency, like the value of it and, uh, or whether the, how big of the value of it for health and or, uh, muscle building. So the, the old school, what I would say is the old school bodybuilder style is like eat every two hours, like, you know, pretty much set your, set your watch can set your watch by the time you eat, keep that amino acid profile high or whatever. What are your thoughts or your under, what's your understanding on that particular subject?
1: Yeah, so the short version is meal timing in and of itself probably doesn't matter all that much, which, again, people will hear that and go, oh, I was right. See, it has no value. It's worthless. Which isn't the answer either. Um, if you look at the literature, Dr. Bill Campbell did a really nice uh, review of this uh, a couple of years ago now. And in general, it says probably not super useful. Um So one of the issues is that if you look at protein synthesis, right? So when you, the old school thought was exactly what you said. Well, we need to eat every couple hours because we want to keep uh, the amino acids around in the, the blood so that the muscles can pull them up and they'll be bigger and stronger because of it. And part of that's kind of true. We know when you eat protein, <coughs> that does... Uh, transfer to uh, increase muscle protein synthesis, right? So stuffing those amino acids into muscle tissue. That has to do with the leucine threshold, it's probably two to three grams in humans, and then the amount of essential amino acids, right? So I know like Lonnie has talked about here in the past that if you have an assembly line, we need some energy to run the assembly line, so we got to turn the thing on, So we need calories. <laughs> And then we need to make sure the assembly line is on, right? So turn the switch on. Uh, Phil's talked about this too, is using leucine. So leucine is like a threshold effect or a triggered effect. And then we need something to assemble. We need the building blocks or essential amino acids primarily to build and stitch together more muscle tissue. Where it goes a little bit off the rails is the assumption that if you just keep amino acids in the bloodstream longer, that this process will run even better. And what they found out is that it actually doesn't. So very, very cool study they did uh, several years ago where they gave subjects uh, an amino acid infusion via an IV. So They come into the lab, they stick an IV in them, and they run amino acids at a constant rate and a pretty high dose for six hours. And then they measure, okay, what's going on in the muscle tissue? So as you would expect, like muscle protein synthesis goes up, stays up for a little while, right? So you're building no amino acids into muscle tissue, and then it goes down. So despite the level of high blood amino acids, the muscle protein synthetic response actually went down. So the theory is that those amino acid levels probably have to go down in order to reset that mechanism somehow and then come back up again. So in theory, if you could keep amino acid levels constantly high, that's probably not the best idea. Now, by virtue of you eating meals and having digestion and all these other things going on, you're always going to kind of see some you know, dips in that and, and kind of go up and down. Um, so if you took the same amount of calories, the same amount of protein, and you split it out over several meals versus four meals... In theory, you'd probably see less response with the multiple meals. Now, I don't know of a randomized control study that's gone to that extreme to, to look at it. Um, so you don't have to. I mean, you want to eat enough at once to cross that threshold, too. Um, so if you're younger, you can get by with like 20 grams away and you're fine. Um, as you get older, your body gets less sensitive to amino acids. So you may need, you know, 20 or 40 grams of weight, right? So a study by, I think it was Tang, uh, compared younger lifters in their 20s to older lifters. I think the average age was 71. What they found was to get the same response, younger lifters could use 20 grams of weight, older lifters had to use 40 grams of weight. So as you get older, you actually need more of that dose per meal. So it becomes a little bit more effective then too with a higher dose. So in theory, if you've got someone who's very young, <clears throat> eh, you could probably eat multiple times per day. You're probably not going to really see much of a, a negative. I think as you get older, having the doses be more concentrated is going to be better. So having, like, what I use in the flex diet cert, I have what I call like a four by forty approach. So just general across the board advice: if you're, you know, lifting average size mammal, more meals, forty grams of protein. You know, that way, if you're using, you know, rice protein or something that's not as high quality, you're still probably going to get <clears throat> enough leucine and enough essential amino acids are pretty darn close to it. Uh, if you've been any type of, you know, meat or anything that had eyeballs on it, you're going to be fine. Um, the caveats also with this is for some people, if you're really trying to push calories, right? So now you say, well, I'm not going to hold the macros constant. Then some clients I've worked with, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, if they eat more frequently, they can just eat more, and that's a benefit, mm-hmm. right? And you'll see that from people cutting too. Some people I have, like, if they can eat smaller meals during the day and spread them out, they just feel a little better. Other people have the direct opposite. They're like, man, if I have to eat this stupid bird food for like, you know, five meals a day, I'm gonna lose my mind. I mean, just take the same thing and put it into three meals. They're like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so I think a lot of it comes down to what are your goals? What are you trying to do? And then, you know, going from, from there. we yeah.
0: got a, a St. Joe train, everybody. Yeah. That is a <laughs> classic.
1: What was this guy's goals? Was he working on something in particular or?
0: No, actually
2: this, so this is kind of a, this is a, it's a health thing, right? So it's, um, which is why I was going to follow up with the effects of, let's say, this on, you know, your blood sugar response, in in, in the context of just general health. Which, I mean, my experience and like even when I was in school, like looking at this stuff, was more that it was kind of, you know, small percentage of benefit, right? At, at its best, at its peak value is still only a few percentage points better than focusing on the big thing, big picture. Um, And so I had never heard or seen as anything that was like going from, let's say four meals a day to eating, you know, every two hours, kind of my like four to six was any more beneficial. Like I just had never seen anything that pushed it forward, either health wise, muscle wise, Anything. Like, honestly, I hadn't seen anything that really supported that particular notion.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, for health stuff, I going mean, I have had a few people where they're just very sensitive to glucose, right? And these are usually post-ketogenic uh, people, right? So if you think about if you do a ketogenic diet, which I'm not a fan of for speed and power, but has its place for other things, I did a whole friggin course for the Kerrig Institute on the use of a ketogenic diet potentially for traumatic brain issue and for some other pathologies. Um, well, what happens because you're such high fat, moderate to lower protein, and very low carbohydrates is that your muscle tissue becomes a little bit more actually insulin resistant. So you have what's called the non-pathological insulin resistance at the muscle level. There's a bunch of just crazy words that means hey, we're not trying to take up any more glucose for the muscle. We want to spare it for your brain. Your brain can run out of ketones, but it does need a, still a small amount of glucose. So the muscle becomes a little bit insulin-resistant to glucose, which, again, is not necessarily a negative thing. It's just an adaptation to that diet. But now if you try to transition out of that and you have a big bolus, a whole bunch of carbohydrates, Then you'll notice that your body just has a very hard time displacing them to put them anywhere, right? The normal sinks that you're going to put them into, like muscle tissue, are not as insulin receptive to them. So those people, you can see pretty high uh, blood glucose numbers. So for some of them, we've done, you know, timing of carbohydrates, you know, post exercise can help and just lowering the, the total number at once so that their body doesn't have to deal with it as, as much until we get it kind of turned around and we get like a baseline level back in. Some of this has to do with enzymes too, like PDH, pyruvate dehydrogenase, some um So in those cases, yeah, I think you could do a smaller meals can be beneficial. Uh, if someone has a CGM, so I've done some work with that, that amount is something you can play with just so they don't get these huge blood spikes, um blood glucose spikes. But man, even with that, it's like super variable, right? Which is crazy. Like, so my buddy Ben House and a bunch of us years ago in Costa Rica in his place, we stuck continuous glucose monitors and all these, you know, lifting dude bros and just started testing a bunch of stuff. And it was wild to see, like, you know, all healthy people, you know, lots, fair amount of muscle mass, you know, high FFMI, fat-free muscle mass index. Some people could handle, like, rice cakes, like, no problem. Like, my buddy James Serby, shout out to him. We still give him crap because he could eat like a whole sleeve of rice cakes and his blood glucose wouldn't move at all. Like someone else would eat two and their blood glucose would be like 140, 160. <laughs> uh-huh. So, but other persons could crush like pineapple and his would go crazy. Yeah. You know, so there is some individual differences there, both based on type and amount. So in theory, if you have someone there and they need a large amount of carbohydrates, but they're kind of sensitive to them, you can play around with, you know, different types, amounts, fiber. And then at the end of the day, just lowering the dose at once, too. But again, all of those are, you know, very small, and of 1, individual kind of niche type things, too. Yeah.
0: I mean, wouldn't there be something said for you're just never giving your whole digestive tract a break. Like if you're eating every hour or two hours, holy shit. Uh, like yeah. nothing ever gets a break. And I'm with you on, like I've done it and like to just never get a meal. Like you never really get a meal. You know and I'd rather, I'd rather, Especially just, for calories. I'd rather just be hungry third quarters of the day and like go warrior yep. diet and just crush it. Like, I'm gonna sit down and have a goddamn meal and I'm gonna feel full. Yeah. Not have <laughs> not have two sprigs of romaine with a frickin', you know, tablespoon. <laughs> <of them. laughs> it's like what is this shit? Just I mean, it that, bring it all back to me later.
2: Yeah, that's that's my favorite strategy for at least at least as I'm cutting now, like just dropping all the weight that I've put on for really no reason, but uh <laughs> it's just two meals like two meals a day, both high protein, but one kind of lower in carbs and then one usually higher in carbs. Typically after I go train, like do some jujitsu stuff. So the higher carbs I just do after that. But it just, it just feels better to me to eat, you know, like, and I feel like you have a little bit more flexibility on stuff you can eat as well. So it's not like going, you know, if you go to Chipotle or something, it doesn't blow your whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that flexibility when I'm, at least when I'm cutting or losing weight, so to speak, personally. But well, I just well. never heard that. As, like, honestly, I never heard the, besides bodybuilding advice, I never heard of the the meal frequency as health advice. Like, I've never heard yeah. that. For
0: the mind. average person, really, it's, I think it's insane. Uh, yeah. Because the just,
1: is usually high.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you, like, have a job. Like, literally, if you're eating every two hours, that's all you're doing. You're either eating a meal oh, or yeah. you're getting one ready. <laughs> um, it's like, how the hell are you living at all? Um Which I understand. Yeah. If you're getting ready to step on the stage of Mr. Olympia, eating and training is your job. Yeah. For the other 99.9% of the population out here, it's not our job. Uh, <laughs> and I think there's better ways to do it than just the the mental stress that puts on you. To You're always looking at this clock. Oh, it's. 2.05, yeah. I need to eat again. And then, okay, it's 2.45, I need to start getting that meal ready for 3.15. And, oh, Jesus. It just, it's never-ending. So, yeah.
2: I also don't I even mean, train I... well. I like, like, when I train after I eat, like, I feel sluggish. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like I train so much better fasted. It like nine day almost. Honestly. Oh,
0: yeah. I do, too. I mean, even at meets or today. Like, today's my big squat day and my big deadlift day. I make sure I eat well last night, um, yeah. and I will have a little bit to eat this morning. I'll have some snacks, but that's it, and it's like uh, – and meat days, that's what I do too. I eat a bunch the day before, and I just snack on meat day, and it's – like I don't want to – like if I go up there with a full belly and put 800 pounds on my back, oh, I just feel <laughs> slow and sluggish, and I'm going to shoot something all over the platform, and yeah,
1: it's – uh Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. Like I usually like my perfect, you know, day, like if i am doing my heavier stuff on Monday is, you know, I'll have a bigger meal Sunday night and then I'll have a bigger breakfast Monday morning, ideally. And then like a second smaller meal, like I'll have a a Targo shake and some amino acids while I'm walking to the gym or something. And that feels pretty good. Or I'll move it up like you guys said earlier and it may be just semi-fasted, you know, but I think the, and I've got other clients where they do better with having some, you know, nutrition before. I have noticed that if you have some type of carbohydrates or some type of food around training, if your training is really kind of pushing it and going over an hour, your higher volume, uh, that your HRV in general, I've noticed the next day in people tends to be a little bit better. Um, so if I have people where their training is always just tanking their stress the next day, I'll have them consume some type of simple carbohydrates or protein around it. <laughs> that does seem to help a little bit, but again, they're not sitting down to a five course meal and then mm-hmm. going to train either yeah
2: yeah do you so you said Vitargo do you like that vitargo supplement?
1: I do I mean, I've used it like back in the day since Phil gave me some free samples and it first started, <laughs> which is God, what year was that man That was a long like, time ago. Long we ass time ago, and I didn't have gray hair. No, so, <laughs> and they've gone through many different iterations of ownership. And I don't know, I've always tried to do some sort of consulting with them, This it's just never panned out. But I'm like, Hey man, I've been using your product since it started. I've been promoting it everywhere. I've never made a dime off it, which is yeah. fine, whatever. Um, but I just noticed it doesn't really seem to bother people's uh, stomach and pretty much across the board. I mean, there's a few exceptions. Like if you don't read the label correctly and you mix it wrong, like if you mm-hmm. get the dilution off um, yeah. or people are doing really weird stuff with their sodium or something bizarro. Uh, but yeah, I I like it. I mean, I don't think it's essential. I mean, I think you can do stuff with real food too. But for a lot of clients who are just, you know, convenience or, or like super busy and they, you know, they have to put like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, are like their huge training days. But they're working and they've got everything else going on. I just find in those cases too, and convenience wise, it seems to make a big difference.
2: I used to like to mix it with just like either a pre workout or something like that. Number one, I I hate taking just pure pre workout on an empty stomach. And I just really help so much with that. Yeah. Like just, just, uh, or even just like any kind of caffeinated drink, just adding, Mm. you know, adding some carbs to it with, you know, Vitargo or something. I always feel a lot better just doing that. Oh,
1: that's I don't know
2: if it blows down the process or anything like that. I just, I don't know, just a straight up caffeinated. I feel like I burned through it in the first lift and then I'm pretty much done with all all the energy after that, unless I combine it with something. Yeah. Vitargo was the best thing I ever kind of put it with. I haven't done it recently, but. Yeah. You know what
0: you need to try. <laughs> so this one, this one show up a couple of years ago. Lonnie was talking about, like, I don't know. There was a study on caffeine, and it was how many kil- milligrams per kilogram. And oh, I yeah. fucking did that, and I did the math for my big ass, and I didn't tell them I was going to do it. And I took like twelve hundred milligrams of fucking caffeine. Holy shit, balls, dude! I was up. I was after it, man. It was <laughs> woo. <laughs> and do not do that again. Like 1.2 grams. Yeah, and Lonnie's like, what, "What? What are you doing?" There's like a threshold, and well, yeah. I, I passed it. Oh man, <laughs> I was lit. So, if you, yeah, if, if your energy drinks not working for, for you, drink like four of them, and you know, instead of one. Oh. That's usually, what
2: my team bros do like, <laughs> I'm behind one of my lifters, Wyatt. Yeah, he's he's doing like a, a supplement thing now, but or a, like he's kind of made his own pre-workout. He's trying to get into the supplement industry or whatever. But <laughs> he uh he would drink. So this is at the last meet, he was, he was drinking like one of those rain or whatever energy mm-hmm. drinks on the way to the meet, on the way to weigh in. I'm like, why do mm-hmm. you have to be awake for weigh in, He's yeah. Like you just need to yeah step off yeah. the scale. He's all oh, this is for the drive. Then he had another one after that, <laughs>
1: oh, and then. Man
2: and then like a pre-workout before lifting, and then a little bit more caffeine before cleaning and jerk. Oh. And I was like, dude, you got
0: it. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I'm
2: sure he got up there in the in the gram range.
0: But. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. tough. But. When you start getting into multiple dosing with that, too, it gets – harder to calculate and then you can hit like the ergolytic phase where your performance drops. Yes. Right. And especially if you get into more technique based stuff, your as you increase caffeine, right, just as you increase arousal, your gross motor skills go up to a point, but your fine motor skills start deteriorating. So it's always that you know, that fine line. Well you've seen that, right? And yeah. you know, you just don't see Olympic lifters getting hyped up like power lifters or strongman. You know, yeah, and that's for that. Yeah.
0: And that was me, man. When I took that, I was like normally I get myself hyped up for a big squat and I was like, No. I had to slow <laughs> down. I had to like do the opposite. Like myself down. So I'm already just shaking. And like I just walk I look like Dave Tate squatting. I'll just shake it <laughs> a little. Everything was firing when it wasn't supposed to. And, oh. oh, man. But, it worked well. So I won't do it again, though.
1: But <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> yeah Literature wise, for people listening, like if you're a 220 pound mammal, right? So 100 kgs, the high end for strength stuff is probably six migs per kg. So six milligrams per kg. If you're a 220 pound lifting mammal, that's 600 milligrams, which is high, right? I mean, a no dose typically, an hydrous capsule is 200 milligrams, so that would be three of those at once. Um, and yeah, for some people, that's going to put you over the edge immediately. So that's the high end, and probably not start on the high end. <laughs> yeah, you don't
0: need to go right there. So, oh man, it does help though. Oh, it does, man. Caffeine's amazing. And like, I, I'm to the point where I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning, maybe right when I get up. But other than that, that's it, except for my heavy lifting day. And the caffeine really works when you don't get too habituated to it. You know, people are pounding pots and pots of coffee all day, every day. I, yeah, they need more, uh, but man, like my Saturday mornings, I'll I had a cup of coffee now, I'll slam an energy drink and some free workout and I'll be good to go. So Nice. <laughs> be good to go. Yeah. And then come meet play. day I have another one before deadlift. So but that's like five hours yeah. in
1: between that or whatever. So Yeah. Yeah, I, so. I generally tell lifters I'm like, let's test this out, eight weeks out pick whatever lift you want to use. No, you can't pick all three lifts to take, you know, four <laughs> 600 megs of caffeine beforehand, but yeah. you know, yeah, you could use a little bit on your squat and if your main lift is deadlift and then, you know, amp it up for your deadlift, I think that's fine. But yeah, don't take 600 mgs before each of your three lifts. That's, that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think
2: so. that's usually what makes it tough for, I mean, I don't have anyone next week at, uh, powerlessly meet here but there's somebody at at the gym who's doing it the the owner of the gym i work at is doing the meat and he was asking me about caffeine stuff and i was like i have such weird experiences across the board like there's no consistent experience
0: Mm -hmm. my
2: opinion would be more or less a little bit of caffeine before your you know squats right Meats go to bench press to die. It's just it dies, <laughs> dies for everyone. Like the energy just leaves the room. Oh, and yeah. watch and like, but then yeah. you kind of want to pick back up for deadlift.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Where it's like you just want to survive bench and then come back and kill deadlift. So like usually trying to use your your biggest caffeine dose before that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And was, yeah. I've I've only had one guy I've ever had where the bench was like his strength, right? Like. I, I haven't had somebody where he was like making, like he was making his total on bench almost. Yeah, he
0: was the one guy in the room excited <laughs> for bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know,
2: and it's like his squat and deadlift came along, you know, cause obviously I'm better at coaching those two and the bench I'm just less interested in, I guess. Yeah. But it is it one of those things where like, okay, we're going to kind of survive the squat. And then right at the second, bench press, Mark, we're going to start first or second, we'll try to do some caffeine there, but even then, man, I just had weird, all over the place results with caffeine, especially when you have, you know, people cutting, right, they're doing dehydration stuff, it's like, it's hard to, so I don't, I don't usually have that, you know, that advice for people, I'm usually like, whatever you feel like you would do, do that, like whatever you feel, feels best for you, normally, like don't try some new shit
0: yeah and that's is different. I remember we I took Sarah to a meet and she decided she'd slam a frickin oh, it was a monster or some shit before snatch and whoo things went bad
1: oh, you know she was wasn't
0: so used open. to that and just like she was slinging weights behind her big time but oh. <laughs> uh, ended up bombing out on the snatch because of it, but uh, it's just a totally different lift, you know, like we talked about before. It's like on a squat you can you can just kind of get yourself worked up. And get yeah. yourself in a different zone. You start and force the lift. You start trying to force snatch, and it goes bad. So, yeah, yeah. get too that's shaky, what it, amped
1: up. That's what I, I'm sure yeah, you we, guys running. I was gonna say just trying to talk people out of doing crazy shit like the the week of their big meet or their big. conference. Yeah. yeah. I spend more time talking people off the ledge of like, no, we're not trying anything new. No, you're not breaking any PRs in the gym. Just do the same boring shit you did before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Save it for the platform. Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: My favorite is always when they're like, oh, I'm really close to the, to the next weight class down. I'm just going to cut.
0: Oh, no. oh yeah. Why? <laughs> a week out? Why? Yeah.
2: Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Are you going to break a world record here or something? Oh, like, they, got, on?
0: they got a chance at the Shawnee County record if they do that. And <laughs> it's like, come on. I hate that. I
2: haven't eaten three days, coach, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> ready to
0: bust some PRs out.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm, I'm on 112-hour fast. <laughs> I heard it's perfect for strength. So, <laughs>
1: but. Yeah. The last thing of caffeine too is you can use coffee and stuff like that, I think, in, in training is fine. But if you're really trying to dial something in, like the caffeine variability on coffee There's a study from McCuster. Mm-hmm. So they went to Starbucks. They sent some grad student to Starbucks every day for, I think, like six days in a row. And they analyzed it. And you could have one day be almost half of the caffeine amount compared yeah. to the next day. Yeah. This is Starbucks. This is like, you know, notorious for trying to standardize or process the same blend, same yep. type of coffee, same amount, same freaking coffee store. Yeah. And it's still that variable. So you start throwing in other variables, and it just gets hard. And if you're in training, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, people like coffee. I love coffee. Yeah. But if you're really trying to dial something in for a meat or something specific, then just switch to the anhydrous, like, you know, capsule yes. or tablet form. It'll make that, your life way easier. Yeah. And that was the same issue they had with
0: the ephedra back in the days. Exactly. Because every plant was different, man. You might have, yep. you know. 20 milligrams in this pill and there's 80 in the next and all of a sudden you're whoo. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then so back in the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. I told people use ephedrine HCL. They're like, but, but it's a drug. It's not natural. I'm like, (laughs) okay, but at least it's standardized. We know what the hell's in there. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yep.
0: But, and that's where I think probably your energy drinks and stuff, maybe that's a benefit over them versus coffee is. Potentially it is, actually. In, yeah, know, because they put the exact amount good. in there. Yeah. Of course, they're making 5,000 gallons at a time, but it's still right. uh, standardized
1: to a point. so I'd hope so. You yeah. would imagine so. But, yeah. so. Yeah. I was afraid of getting dinged on that when I did a study on Monster Energy Drink back in the day because I had to buy it out of my own pocket at the store. And so I tried to get, like, the same lot number and everything as close mm-hmm. as I could. But I didn't have any money to send it out for an external chemical validation. And I just hoped that I didn't get crushed on that in peer review. And I didn't, yeah. and it was fine. That's you good. know. But, yeah, I was kind of freaking out about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So...
0: Hi right, guys. Well, we'll figure out something for next week because, like I said, I'll be at a meet. I might just record early some parts or something. We'll figure it sure. out. I got to go up and – the uh, USPA is throwing a meet that they're allowing uh Special Olympians into. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm bringing a couple of my Special Olympics kits up there. So
1: should be a good time. Yeah, I might work out better. I'm at a grip competition in Texas next
0: Saturday. So. Yeah. So – Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll get this up and uh, talk to you all next week. All right. See you, guys. Later. Yeah.